0: Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.
1: Hey, guys, why don't we eat?
2: Dear dog, of course, I'll have your spam. I love it I am in Spam, Spam, Spam
3: Cornflakes Cornflakes Cornflakes
2: Cornflakes Any hey, man fancy a pint? Suit you, sir Spam, 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 Spam Baked beans Spam, Spam, Spam and Spam I said
0: I don't want any damn vegetables was are really good, you know
1: Mmm, forbidden donut Ow.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Eat It on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, it's got a nice ring to it. Maybe we should keep doing this show. Sounds kind of good. Uh, hi there. My name is Cam Smith, and uh, across from me, it's good to see after um, oh, a few weeks away. Carl Chapman. Hi. Good morning, Cam. Yes,
3: it has been a few weeks, a few months. <laughs> it is
0: <laughs> Christmas and New Year. Oh uh, well, you know, it's uh, that whole thing of. Um, uh, this compression, the elastic nature of time living through what we've all lived through. It's um, its hard to keep track of time at the moment, I reckon.
3: It really is. And uh, I was only saying to uh, the esteemed Tim Thorpe outside how, as we move forward, hmm. sometimes what's happened in the past tends to compress and somehow very quickly recede. Not for everybody, yeah, but sometimes. And
0: uh, I wonder what Einstein would say about it all. I would have to speak to the, uh, the scientists. Or we could have a seance. Yeah. <laughs> Einstein, Albert, what do you think? Uh, yeah, and speaking of scientists, we uh, it would be remiss, would it not, to acknowledge, thank them for their contributions, their erud- eruditions, we could say. And personally, I need to thank Dr and I don't know if he's listening. No, he's dealing with all his Zoom people. Check this out, Carl. Look at this. I saw that. A big bag of... It's beautiful, beautiful tomatoes. tomatoes. Seven. Lucky seven. Here you go. That's what the bag sounds like. These are homegrown tomatoes from Shane's Bush. There you go. Yes. And I didn't mean to be provocative at all when I said that at all. So, um, but he's, uh, he must have a very productive bush. I would say. Mm. There we go. Some, you know that joke? Woman walks into a bar and asks for a double entendre. So he gives one. Very good, Cam. Thank you. Bang. Okay. It's uh, like the old days of Paul Harris on Film Buffs. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. oh my heart. Through the heart. Uh, I should probably just move on and say on today's show, uh, we have Joe Barrett. Um, Joe Barrett. How would we describe Joe Barrett um, if uh, you were to meet her, Carl? I would describe her as a polymath of cooking. Great description. Yeah, she is. Um, she's probably one of my favourite um, chefs in Australia. Up and coming. She's uh, forget up and coming. She's here, <laughs> uh, and uh, she's been spending a lot of time on Flinders Island lately. Fantastic. And uh, but she's down at Jeff's shed because she's judging uh, the Bocuse d'Or, which I think means the Golden Bocuse. In French, uh, cooking competition uh, that has been put into hiatus for a couple of years, but she has generously said that she will chat with us very, very shortly uh, before she has to go and judge fish, at, which happens at twelve thirty. So, uh, uh, here's our little notes: we'll have to be out <laughs> around about twelve twenty because the fish will be calling her. I say the fish don't wait. Those fish don't wait for nobody. Uh, No, they don't. We go to John at the market uh, because in these uh, interesting times that we live in, they just keep getting more interesting, don't they? They really do. Uh, We'll we'll chat with John at the market and and also an acknowledgement needs to be made because um, just as a bit of my own self-censorship, and I'm being quite sincere here, Carl, I was... um, Talking at the beginning of the market report, because I go to the Queen Victoria market, as you know, because you, I've handed you the file, and we talked about the Queensland floods and how those floods are going to affect the prices of vegetables. I would like to, be at the outset of this or at the beginning of this, acknowledge the fact six people have died mm. up, in the, up in the floods and um to just focus um on the price of how it affects us um could be a little bit, seem a little bit shallow and that's probably not the right word to use when we're talking about floods uh but yeah i just want to acknowledge that there have these floods have been calamitous and there six people have mm. um passed away and um and maybe some might think well that's a bit superficial just to think about the prices and at the outset, I just want to acknowledge that and say, yeah, you're probably right. So I just want to do that as a little bit of a disclaimer because also um, you were asking me, should we acknowledge what's happening in the north with um, a land war happening in Europe? Uh, same thing. I was thinking it's crazy that some, in some ways how mainstream media are talking about not the loss of life, the dislocation, the death, the maiming, all those sort of things, but how it affects the price of petrol at the pump, which I think is superficial. So I think it's only right that I apply the same standard. So I just wanted to get that out, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Fair enough. Um, And (laughs) there we go now, Tom, with the weather. Um, No, (laughs) we uh, we go to um, a, a happier thing where we're going to be speaking to Melissa Brower, who is the self-proclaimed Prosecco Queen. And uh, we're going to talk about all things Prosecco because there is a Prosecco Festival coming up, which will be a lot of fun. And I thought maybe we might do a Prosecco one-on-one, like find out what is Prosecco, how's it different to champagne, what's the grape that you use for Prosecco? That's an interesting one. We might ask you that. And uh, also just allude to the fact that one of the things I love about Melissa is that... In the consumption of uh, prosecco, she's thrown away the flute over her shoulder, and she uh, loves a prosecco in a nice big wine glass because, well, you don't have to fill it so often, do you? You're listening to Eat It on Three Triple RFM. We're going to be back with Joe Barrett after this. Triple R, twelve and nine here on Three Triple RFM. On a fabulous Sunday, and uh, well, we will be speaking with Joe Barrett shortly. Um, we, um, Carl's just raced out of the studio, we're in studio two at the moment, and uh, we're endeavouring to get Joe Barrett onto the line, and uh, we've called in the big guns, we've got Tim Thorpe in here who's uh trying to find out what's going on we might have a bit of trouble with trouble at mill trouble with commander so um well, this is very exciting actually uh Tim and Carl have just gone racing out of the studio now to go and attack the commander in the green room um but uh Maybe it might be useful for you, dear listener, to uh, find out before we have a chat to Joe Barrett. Hopefully, I've got my fingers crossed. Uh, and find out, well, who is Joe Barrett? Why is she so cool? Uh, I've known Joe since, um, oh, let's see, how long have I known Joe? For maybe about six or seven years. You might have been lucky enough to uh, be at Oak Ridge Winery on the uh, Marinda Highway there. Uh, Joe Barrett and Matt Stone took over the kitchens of uh, of that winery and really, really stamped their imprimatur, or their personality, that's probably a better way to put it, uh, on the place. And uh, one of the things that uh, they were great uh, in doing and implementing was uh, a fabulous kitchen garden um, at... The uh, at the winery, and uh, but also uh, Joe Barrett's laminated pastries were amazing, and that's just part of what makes her incredible. She has been living in the greenhouse, future food systems that um, I've been sort of looking after with tours on Saturdays, uh, but she lived there with Matt during uh, the COVID experience and um has been spending a little bit of time on Flinders Island and uh we might find uh out about all those sort of things very very shortly uh i'm just going to look across and uh, look to Carl and go well, how are we going are we are we getting closer to getting joe on the line uh we're just going to try and patch it through from another studio really
3: <laughs> this oh. phone in the uh, in studio 2 is uh
0: Dead. We might have to take this uh, phone out and shoot it with our Webley service revolver. Do we want to go for a song? Um, yeah, I reckon that might be good uh, because we just probably need to just everyone just uh, <laughs> take a breath. We will be back with Jo. I've given a little bit of an intro as to who she is, um, but she will be speaking in her own words. We've got our fingers crossed after this. Melbourne's own Drupal R. Uh, we've just moved to Studio 3, ladies and gentlemen, and... <laughs> Shenanigans. Uh, yes, and I just had a, a microphone just come off the. Uh, it's it's mooring. It's but you probably don't need to know that. It should be all just, you know, seamless. Like a swan. We are like swans, are we not, Carl? Paddling furiously. Like mad, <laughs> like mad. And, uh, and the one who's just been watching it all bemused, probably just outside Jeff's shed, is the redoubtable. Um, and the polymath, I'm now calling you Joe. Joe Barrett, hi. Hello. You ever been called i I'm just a... sitting outside the
1: Pollywood yeah. side.
0: <laughs> Pollywood side, just chilling out while we've been racing between studios going, shoot the phone, just shoot the phone. But <laughs> Carl didn't because he's, he's very restrained. Have you ever been called a polymath before?
3: No
1: i haven't
0: I just wanted to lay that on you, Joe, because I <laughs> regard you uh, as a woman of incredible learning and knowledge of food, and every day it just gets bigger and bigger so oh,
1: thanks
0: Dan yeah there you go just uh, thank you compliments on the radio just to, uh, I'm just trying to soften you up for the really <laughs> really <off>. hard questions <laughs> that's that's really what I'm doing um I, uh, while we were running around or I was and I was just sitting there just Sort of gas bagging while Tim Thorpe and Carl Chapman were running like the Three Stooges between studios and phones. Um, I described the, f- I think the first time we met was, uh, was it Oak Ridge? Or was it before I that? I believe it was. Yeah. Uh,
1: maybe in passing, but then, yeah, you came out to Oak Ridge and hosted some events with
0: uh, us. Oh, uh, I did. Oh, those were the days, weren't they?
1: Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. They Melbourne. And they're back.
0: Yeah <laughs> Melbourne Cup I remember the gumboot throwing as well as your incredible food that you, <laughs> that you used to, used to do and also one of the things that really stuck um stuck out for me there was your beautiful flour mill from Austria Oh yeah I miss
1: the flour mill I, it's at Yost's place
0: at the moment Yeah that is just oh my god that was uh that was a, a wonderful piece um tell Tell the listeners, please, the um, the fact that you've been away in um, in the middle of Bass Strait on um, on an unspoilt, beautiful, beautiful island.
1: Yeah, I, 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 um, when I finished up at Future Food System, I snuck out and landed on <laughs> Flinders Island, which yes. has been an incredible experience. So Flinders Island is part of the Furneaux Islands in between Tasmania and the mainland Australia. It's yes. kind of opposite King Island, even though it's twice the size of King Island, but the population wow. is probably only 800 to 900 people. Because yeah. it is absolutely incredible.
0: <laughs> what sort of... Um, can you describe it for us? I mean, is it, um, has it got height to it? Are there hills, beaches, forests?
1: Well, what's it like? It is. It's rural. Very rural. Um, yep. Does get quite quite weather affected. So the major peak is Mount Straslecky. I think it's 275 metres above sea level.
3: Oh, about a
1: 45-minute walk. Yes. Um, and it's incredible. So from the north of the island, it varies very differently to the south. Yes. Um, so I'm predominantly based up in the south. Uh, sorry, the north. And it's almost like a step back in time, but in the best possible way. Um, there's kind of one major road, half of it's not paved. There's one restaurant, the Flinders Island Wharf, that's where I'm at, and there's two pubs, the Tavern and um, the International Interstate Hotel, and that's about it. One supermarket doesn't open on the weekend, so it's been an incredible experience to be rural after living in Fed Square for a year.
0: Yeah, in the it's that that would have been such a weird experience because you were sort of living in the heart of a deserted city um, in this beautiful space the the greenhouse what was that like just that that feeling of being yeah tell me how did how did it feel
1: i mean future foods this was an incredible experience, and I'm there on Monday and Tuesday this week actually with yost and matt and i it was one of the best learning experiences I've ever had and then some of the most difficult challenges I've faced in cooking and also, I mean, just with COVID. Mm. Um, I loved it. And just see people come in and the thirst and hunger for change around the environment and our food system was really inspiring. Yeah. And then to kind of change pace and head down to Flinders Island, I thought it was going to be kind of slow, uh, and I'd have lots of time to hang out on the beach and go diving. But <laughs> yes. it's been quite the opposite. Has it's it? has been flat out. Yeah, it's been quite busy. I've been working on a farm, a cattle farm. Yes. So really interested in the food system, obviously, but then going from one extreme to the other. So, you know, growing all our own food in a home to now being on a cattle farm and building cattle yards. In a which giant, has been really interesting giant <laughs> farm.
0: Uh, which which farm? was that? Is it Cape Grim?
1: No, it's um, Coin Farm. So Joe jo and Tom Yule, yes, and they are just two of the most hardworking people I've ever met. And Joe runs on island time, so a range of accommodations plus the Slinders Island Wharf. Yes. So I've been mean, kind of splitting my time between farm work and learning how to drive tractors and seeing what that's like. To then working both front of house and in the kitchen at the wharf. And then for the month of March, taking over the wharf with Mikey Yao and Louise Daly to do a bake shop. And then every Friday, an event based on the experiences that we've had so far on Clinders Island. So the first one is the celebration of the crayfish and seafood because all of the produce comes from the island. It's really incredible. A lot of, when you think of islands, like a lot of stuff gets boated in, which that does still happen. Yeah, but absolutely. at the wharf, there's still heaps of produce grown on the island and, you know, the fishermen pull up to the wharf and it's just what they catch. So if they don't get anything, the menu changes very drastically at the last minute. But that's what I think a food system should be. So it hasn't really differed, I guess, that much from future food system, but it's just another level and really reassuring that that's what food should be like.
0: And and just to sort of – it's a different scale, isn't it? Because – you were in this self-contained unit and now you have these sort of horizons and sea to consider as well.
1: Yeah, and it's been really interesting seeing People's expectations when they come to an island and they eat in a restaurant and yeah. then, you know, we only have what we have. It's kind of similar to Lord Howe. You just, you, that's what you have. Um, and working within those restraints again, which I believe are the most creative moments
0: yeah, that, it's. Um, I had um, a similar, somewhat similar experience where I lived on an island for 18 months, and people have heard about it, um, a place called Badara uh, up in the Coral Sea. And one of the things that I noticed uh, being on the island was that you became more aware of the rhythms of the earth um you oh, knew, yes. you know about the moons you start to really really appreciate and know about the tides as well has that been the same for you
3: yeah
1: no one wakes up and looks at instagram everybody wakes up and looks at the weather on about five different weather apps <laughs> just to see what it's going to be like because a lot of people are working outside or yes you kind of continuously work until you hit a good streak of weather and then everyone goes out on a boat or goes diving, goes fishing because it's a prist- so pristine. It's really kind of instilled that idea of we have to preserve those places. You can still go fishing and catch fish and you don't see any rubbish. People wow. really care about their environment. It's kind of one of those untouched places and I guess it gives me more hunger to kind Of work in that sustainability area, which I'm really passionate about because we need to preserve those places.
0: Are you going to be on Flinders Island sort of medium term or what are the plans, Joe?
1: So I'll be there till May, coming yes. home for a little bit in April, and then the long term ideas that I'd love to work with Joe and Tom um, around the idea of ecotourism and adventure tourism. Yeah. So moving into that experiential space where you can come and actually connect with people, go cooking, go fishing, go diving, cook together. Yes. Um, we're setting up a, gr- a greenhouse and growing food. That's something that I would love to do. You know, restaurants have been really hard and I think we all have to shift, but to be able to do all the extra activities that I love doing and my hobbies, but then involves people in them and be able to really connect with people I'm cooking for. So long-term, that's kind of the goal with Flinders Island is... To yeah, get instilled there and become a part of that community and bring people in in a really respectful way and give them some of the experiences that I've had.
0: Yeah, so it, it sounds not only is your sort of footprint there on Flinders Islands, but it looks like you're going to throw some roots down as well.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. If I can, it's pretty hard to get in there, um, but yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd still definitely working, you know, in a restaurant and cooking, you know, in the short term. Um, but long-term, that's where I'd like to be,
3: mm. you know,
1: just really connecting with people around food and sh- shared experiences.
0: For, the, uh, for us mainlanders here, um, what are the possibilities of tourism to... Uh, first of all, how do you get to Flinders Island and uh, what sort of accommodation is available? Because I'm sure there's people listening going, oh, I think I need a bit of Flinders Island a bit of my life because
1: oh, the, yeah. the, the
0: rest of the world's not looking too flash at the moment.
1: No, and I always find people who do get the opportunity to go come away a different person. You kind of fend for yourself and you really discover, I don't know, make some decisions for your life. So you can fly out of Lilydale and Essendon um, with Sharp Airlines or by private charter. Mm. You can also fly from Tasmania Mm. and then you'd want to hire a car and fly into Whitemark, which is the main town there. And then on Island Time, have a range of accommodations all over the island. Yes. And there are accommodations, but it is pristine. If you're looking for a quiet getaway, um, we just had Darren and Cass purchase over from <laughs> Birch and Purchase, and that yeah. was an, so much fun. So it's getting a real, like a chef. Um, we've got Mark LeBroy coming over and Dave Moyle next week. So it's got a real foodie following. Cause the project is Just epic. Yeah.
0: He's, he's another one of my heroes. Can you give him a big hug from me? Because I haven't seen him in a while.
1: Oh,
0: what a beautiful man. He he sure is. And also, uh, yeah, just to uh, uh, amplify what you said about uh, Kath and Darren, um, two great cooks, of course, they... uh, Uh, very, very famous for Birch and Purchase, making all their sweets. But um, I saw them the week and they looked so chilled out. And they said, oh, my God, I'm so chilled out. And, yeah, we're moving from Melbourne, by the way. (laughs) It was like, really? What what happened to you? You know, (laughs) what's going on? Um, That all sounds great. Very, very quickly, and I just want to quickly acknowledge where you are. um, And Carl's looking at me going, we're really going to get a move on. So there is a book that is going to be coming out. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I've been writing a book on my time on Flinders Island, which has been really fun. Oh, that sounds um, great!
3: That,
1: so I have to have my manuscript in by May, and at the moment, I'm just about to walk in and start judging the Bocuse
0: Yeah, and uh, oh, you're going to do that in about two minutes, anyway. So you're going to have to go uh, tell very, very quickly in 30 seconds what is the Bocuse d'Or, um, and um, yeah, and what the you're Bacus, judging.
1: So the Bocuse is one of the most prestigious. Uh, cooking competitions for professional chefs. So we're judging the Australian round, then it goes to Asia, and then it goes to the international round, Um, which if you have never competed in cooking and you're thinking about it, definitely do it. It is the most incredible experience.
0: It's the grand final. It's the Super Bowl. It's the Stanley Cup. It's the Wimbledon final. It's the big. It's the biggest, isn't it? Well,
1: it's something that we need to bring more of to Australia and take a bit more seriously, in my opinion.
0: Well, we've been yeah. we've had Michael Cole on the show uh, quite a few times when he was competing. Good luck with the judging. Uh, love you, Joe. Um, look forward to seeing you, and um, can't wait to see the book from Flinders Island.
1: Thanks, Cam. Love you.
0: Yeah. See you. Joe Barrett, we got there. Thank you, Carl.
2: Triple R on FM Digital Online via the app.
0: Good morning, John. It's a little bit of a gloomy morning here at the Queen Victoria Market. We have Queensland that's flooding. There's a hell of a lot of rain
2: up bloody north. Interesting times. It is, but good morning. It's, it's, it is gloomy, but it's not cold actually. It's no. still a little bit steamy. Yeah, we're both which, in short, short which sleeves. Which is unfortunate because it affects our produce, but what do you do? Yes, yes. We we'll, we'll look after the produce and everything's still good. Yeah, now um, I, I thought I might address this first thing because uh,
0: we're seeing calamitous reports from the north with uh, the amount of rain falling from the sky. Uh, people are talking about once-in-a-century event, which I wish they'd stopped doing. Um, what are your thoughts about um, how that's going to affect
2: supply Australia-wide here, ramifications? Well, let's look at Gympie first. I saw last night on the news mm. the, the water was floating up to the top of the roof of the pizzeria and the traffic lights are up to the top of the traffic light now. At Possibly the moment, not good for the beans. Definitely not. You read my mind. Because <laughs> at the moment we're not getting beans from there. We're getting them from Gippsland, which is south, south, uh, east Victoria. Yeah. south-west Victoria. South-west, yeah. South-west, yeah. Um, but it causes problems for later because rain and floods wash away the topsoil. Uh, your topsoil's gone or your nutrients are gone. Mm. So they've got to bring all the good topsoil back. They've got to feed it, prepare it, so that the next crop of beans is going to grow and grow properly. Um, so that's a problem. That's just one crop. So, you know, then we get Queensland uh, capsicums and eggplants later. At the moment, we're getting a lot of hydro stuff because uh, apparently all the stuff in Mildura failed. Uh, the, really? Yeah. Uh, normally we get beautiful field eggplants by now out of Mildura.
0: Why did it fail? Do you know? Lack um, of rain? A, Too bit much of rain? This and a
2: bit of that. I think a bit of humidity and um, probably rain at the wrong time. Yeah, okay. um, a combination of things. Yep. So, you know, we've got hydro eggplant, but they're still beautiful, don't get me wrong. Um, don't get the pink ones because the pink ones are mainly bitter. Uh, you get the nice, dark ones. If they've got a little bit of give better.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
2: That's right. That's something that I've learned from you. We've that, been, a, that a spongy eggplant is a good thing, is your friend. That's right. Yeah. Now, we've been lucky that we've got our beautiful Victorian grapes. We've got um, the small seedless sultanas, which um, I've brought some over here mm. um, that's pure sunshine, they're golden brown. We've got some that are a little bit greener, some people don't like the golden brown, but I'm greedy, I like the sunshine. And we've got the real Muscatel's big, beautiful, purpley um, baubles there. They've these, got a seed inside.
0: These lines, these two lions, uh, first of all, I want to say they're, they're something I look forward to just to see because they're a harbinger of, uh, of autumn, you know, they're like a, a little signpost.
2: But you've been doing these lines. These look exactly the same for how many years now? Centuries. Yeah. This is the way God made grapes. Yeah. They're beautiful. These these are grown in the back blocks of um, uh, central northern Victoria uh, where they get very little irrigation Mm. uh, or rain. And um, they get rain at the right time when the vines are flowering and a little bit more rain before they um, uh, are ready to pick and they're in heaven. Uh, The grapes grow... They they swell up and then they get the right content of moisture in them. And away we go. The sugar's there and and we have a feast. But good. Yeah. But there are a lot of other modern grapes as well that are quite nice. But these are the two best preferred and the highest sugar level. Mm. And there are so many things you can do with them. With the sultanas, we like to eat them um, fresh. and Sometimes when we're crazy, we make a jam. Yeah. And the muscatel's the same. We eat them fresh. We eat them very, very cold with crusty bread. You like shoving them up uh, chicken um, in the stuffing. Well,
0: no, yeah. No, also, um, uh, I, I love um, throwing them in at the last 20 minutes in the pan. Oh, in the pan. In the pan. Oh,
2: see, we're different. We put it in the stuffing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I like just because then they, they actually shrivel down a little bit and then mix with all the other bits. Does, does your chicken go purple? Uh, that's only if we put that um, that awful garlic in there. You, see, you know, you do that, you get that blue tinge or the, yeah. the sulphur compounds. And, and you worry, out. you say,
2: "What am I eating? Oh, what? What's going yeah, on?" Yeah, yeah. No, but
0: these just concentrate in flavour, and they just become this lovely
2: counterpoint to the chicken. Beautiful. Yeah, because sometimes in a stuffing, um, the the um, colour and the tannin comes out of the grape oh, into right. the stuffing, and yeah. and you get beautiful purple hot spots. Mm. Uh, And and it looks great and it tastes great as well. So that's just something different. So what's in that stuffing? I've
0: never made a stuffing with grapes
2: in it. So onion, Um, breadcrumbs. Onion, breadcrumbs, parsley, parsley. garlic, a little bit of cheese. Uh, Some people put an egg to bind it, some don't. Yes. Um, There are no rules, really, whatever you fancy. Some people even put a little bit of um, grated carrot or... Whatever in that, too, as well, just to change the color a little Dif- bit. And a different sweetness. And a different sweetness yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. So, you've you got to try that just to be a little bit different. It reminds me of going back to the 70s and 80s when we used to do that a lot. Mm. You know, now you're a little bit more under pressure, time poor, and so on.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and too much other food as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what we do. So, um, you know, um, the, the little cherry tomatoes, um, mini romas, and the normal cherry tomatoes. Uh, the stems uh, of the vine are drying up really quick, so they're falling off, unfortunately. But mm. the tomatoes are still crisp, so the customers have been happy to buy them loose or on the vine. Mm. Um, that's a byproduct of the weather as well. Top pick for the tomato this week? Uh, going back to our basic Doncaster, somehow. Yeah you know yeah. they're, they're a little bit riper than what I like because they got frazzled with the heat up in the hills there mm. um, and there's not enough pickers for them to keep up with them but they've just got that uh, intensity that no other tomato has Murray Bridge comes very very close yep. other than those but two
0: that's, that's, that's a bit more acid though too isn't it, uh, Murray it
2: it depends on the time I think Doncaster's when they're greener they've got more acid yep. but when they're ripe they're more sugar And Murray Bridge can be the same. Uh, Same tomato, different water. That's all it is. Mm. Uh, Yeah, and, you know, we've been lucky. We've got uh, yellow cherry tomatoes on the vine. We've got the orange um, cherry tomato. It's an elongated variety. Um, Beautiful black russians. And there's quite another two or three other varieties there. Just come and have a look and you'll see. Yeah, well, it is called Tomato City, isn't it? Yeah, we only had 20, <laughs> 24 varieties last week. He's yeah. a tomato addict. Yeah, Oh, well, here we yes, go. Yes. Um, what else can I was gonna say? Cauliflowers. You know, you always say, oh, ah, yeah, you bang banging about cauliflowers. There aren't any. My best grower, the rabbits ate most of them. No deep-fried cauliflower not for you. Deep-fried no deep-fried cauliflower. No matter how not, well you're getting on not with it. Not though. even a steamed cauliflower. <laughs> but there's an abundance of broccoli, although it is a little bit expensive. Yeah. Um than what it normally is. Uh, again, that's got to do with the growing season. Mm. Um, but we got beautiful zucchini out of Mildura. Uh, these are a little bit l- bigger than what I'd like next week. I'm going to buy some fingerlings, the cool. little ones. They're still around. Oh, they're still around, the little ones. Um, yeah. it, it just depends on how much the grower can keep on top of the crop because one day they can be uh, like a pea, small <laughs> and, and yes. thin. And the next day, <laughs> they can, <laughs> boom, they're like grandmas. What happened? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, if they can keep on top of them, we get the small ones. Yeah. But they're always good because they're fresh. So, when a zucchini's fresh, even if it's a little bit bigger, there's still a lot, a lot of things you can do with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, just looking across, we, you know, we talk about veg and stuff here, Tomato City, but always as a point of reference, we look across who are the people across the road? Never met them. That's it's, Stephen and Jenny Lou. Stephen and Jenny Lou. So yeah. they are sort of, you know, our fruit barometer. And boy, they've got a good display on today. Yeah, yeah. Look you at know, all the beautiful colours. You know, huge pineapple. Big,
2: yeah, big smooth, smooth pineapples. Yeah, there's beautiful pineapples. There's nice rock melons. Yeah, they've got three or four different varieties and the modern grapes. Passion fruits are still fruit.
0: cheap. Some lovely plums
2: out there as well. They got those ugly red. Um, um, Mangoes. Sorry, I lost the. pop. Oh, those bloody mangoes. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when it doesn't do it for you, you don't remember what you're
3: saying.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, no,
0: no, no. oh, yeah, those the other mango over there. Yeah, 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 and the, bride. The, yeah. The yeah. ones that
2: don't, right. Um, big overs for two bucks. And you are saying big Granny Smiths. And I said, yeah, it looks like it's time for an apple strudel. Or a crumble. So, or a crumble, yeah. Or a pie. Or even ice cream and um, cooked apples, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, In good. the olden days, when we lived in South Melbourne, we had an open hearth yeah. You dig out the middle of the apple. Oh, I know. You yeah, yeah. It. Yeah.
0: Would you go and tell us? Fill it. Like?
2: Fill it with sugar. Bit of cinnamon, if you wanted to get yeah. fancy. So Wrap it in the alfoil. Shove it underneath the ashes and uh, the and um, then and then wait. And, then wait. Yeah. and when you can smell a house uh, full of apple, that's when it was time to get it out. Good perfume. Yeah, beautiful. Break it open and put ice cream on top, and there you go. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Alrighty. Oh, I also just noticed, Joey, was um, your son,
2: uh, was just uh, getting these boxes. of some pretty marvelous-looking capsicum.
3: Yeah, they're
2: they're beautiful capsicums come out of South Australia. Yeah. Um, They were picked just as they were about to turn red. Mm. So on the way here, they've turned red. Right. And and you cut them open, and the aroma that comes out of them, and the sugar's unbelievable. That's why they look so pristine. All right, we've got to get on to with stuff you told me. Come on, give me a pick of the market. Pick of the market. I've been eating these grapes. I try not to because once you start, you can't stop. Mm. So get in and have a look at the grapes. Um, Beans, good beans are about $13 a kilo. Buy a handful, you need them. Um, Yeah, we've had a feast. We've had steamed carrots, baked carrots. must be carrot week at home somehow. Absolutely. (laughs) But I won't complain about that. It hasn't Um, even turned you orange. That's good. No, that's when you overdose on the juice and it's not pretty. No. Uh, Yeah, and a tomato is definitely tomato and tuna or salmon for lunch every day. Mm. Keep you cool and keep you happy. Actually,
0: you want to hear something just before you go? I did something and um, I thought this was kind of a, well, all right, innovation a little bit. I got little, I pulled out a radicchio, right? And I pulled out so that the leaves, they form little cups And then I made this mixture of red onion, tinned uh, tuna, uh, cannellini beans, uh, garlic, parsley, you know, the mixture. But then I just spooned it into the little lettuce cups, and you have a a, a radicchio cups. Well,
2: the beauty of that is you've got the radicchio, it's a little bit strong. Yeah. The beans and onion (laughs) that are sweet. Yeah. So you've got a terrific combination. And a
0: bit of garlic. And and, a bit of garlic. And some good, lots of pepper, you know. Put it up. It was pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what you can do, Looks and it's too. really refreshing too. Mm. And it's a change of um, routine, yes. which is a good thing as well. Because sometimes we get stayed in our ways. You know, you have pasta one night, this one night, mm. and lunch you have this, and then you have that. And when you do something different, yeah. you say, geez, was that good? And it brings back memories of when Mum did it for you too. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, well, look, I'm
0: going to let you go. Um, What's for dinner tonight? And is there anything you're looking forward to,
2: Frank, cooking you? Obviously,
0: cauliflower is out. Yeah,
2: cauliflower is out. Quick pasta tonight. Mm. Tomorrow night, I'm going to order either fish and chips or prawns and chips. We'll see um, what she wants to do. Oh, wow. Yeah, i have a, a... Hankering for chips and some beautiful fish. Oh, go. that does look pretty. Yeah, I'm just Cameron's showing just it. showing me the photo of it. Ridiculous. ten out of ten. Oh. If you send that to Joe, if he's got time, he might even repost that for you. Oh wow! And then I, I might be an internet sensation.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> well, put some beautiful photos. He up. has got a good eye, and uh, this Hessian bag that you take your photos on works. It's rustic, mate. Our stall is rustic. What's the name of your um, uh, your Instagram?
2: Uh, Tomato City at QVM. If you look, you'll see some beautiful um, um, heirloom tomatoes there and onions and that.
0: Yeah, no, he he takes good shots. And you do too. Love your work, John.
2: Thanks, mate. Thank you. Have a beautiful week. See you soon. Uh, Always great
0: to have a chat with John at the market. We're going to be having a chat about uh, Prosecco and... um, a Sparkling wine that has taken over a country, I think would be one way to put it, and uh, some people say it don't get no enough respect, but uh, one woman who uh, is certainly going to make sure it's going to get respect is Melissa Brower, and uh, so much so that uh, there's going to be a Prosecco Festival that's going to be happening um, March 26th, you can put that in your diary now, uh, I'll let Mel tell us where it's going to be and what it's all about, and we'll find out All about that after these important sponsorship announcements. Swinging around the clock to 12.47. It's got kind of a nice ring to it. And and, uh, the 4th Prosecco Festival, it's got a nice ring to it too, but not as good a ring to it as the Prosecco Queen. Melissa Brower, a very, very good afternoon to you. God, it's good to talk to you on the blower. I'm so spewing you can't come in and sh- pour Prosecco for everybody.
4: Well, I know. We did do that last time, and that was a lot of fun. But, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, the scheduling has meant I've got uh, 20 people about to turn up to my house for a big family lunch. So this is, uh, this is how we're going to have to do it today. But I'll make it up to you, I
3: promise.
0: Really? Well, look, don't worry about it. We are still not allowed to have guests in the studio. That Um. will change. And uh, uh, I have this sort of vision of having just all these bartenders and winemakers in and um, uh, just having a great old party, I think, is what we're going to do. But... Ma- Melissa, uh, you're putting on um, a Prosecco festival after having to postpone it for um, a couple of years, and I, I can't wait to chat about that. But I thought it might be a good idea just to do a little bit of Prosecco one on one and talk about this sparkling wine that has really taken over the country. Well,
4: it's kind of has, and it's taken totally, uh, the world. You know, I mean, you can go to a any cafe in Paris, and they're all sucking on apricot spritzes, which, of course, the main <laughs> ingredient is is Prosecco, so yeah,
3: right.
4: it's, it's good enough for the French. It's probably good enough for me, too. Wow. Um, it, it's actually been outselling champagne for the last five years, worldwide. So
3: Has it really? I
4: think the, yeah, the reason is it's just so accessible. It's really easy to drink. It's uncomplicated. Mm. You don't need food to enjoy it, although if you're being responsible, you probably should. And it also really works well with a heap of different food. I mean, I can't really think of anything apart from maybe chocolate that it doesn't go with. You can start off with it with, you know, antipasto, it goes with cheeses, it goes with salami, it goes with prosciutto, that goes with seafood. I actually love it with roast pork, any kind of white meat like that. It's really good with Asian dishes that have got a little bit of spice in them. And because it's it's got that,
0: can have a little lick of sweetness depending on how dry you've bought the bottle. Exactly. So Uh, it's
4: really good with sushi. And you can have it with dessert as well. Anything that's got lemon or stone fruit or almond in it they're sort of notes of a slightly sweeter prosecco so you can actually drink a beautiful bottle of that um,
3: and, link
4: and it
0: across
2: to finish your meal. Mm.
0: all right first question pop quiz uh, what is the main grape that goes into prosecco well it is
4: in fact a prosecco grape Uh, In Australia, we call it the Prosecco grape because that's what it is. It's like a Chardonnay grape or a Pinot Grigio grape. It's a grape. Um, The Italians changed the name in Italy a few years ago now because they were trying to do what the Champagne region did with um, creating an area, a denomination uh, region. So they've changed the name of the grape to Galera, Glera, G L E R A, which doesn't quite have the same ring so to it. So the Galera Queen.
0: Yeah, that's but recent. Yeah, yeah. So
4: they're calling Prosecco. Yeah. So they're calling Prosecco a region now, um, uh... and the grape Glera, and that's why there's been a big um, hoo-ha with the um, there's been like trade talks going on with Italy where they are saying, well, we don't want to send you this, that, and something else until you stop calling Prosecco Prosecco. And there's been all these legal challenges that have gone all the way to the High Court um, in Australia saying really? that we can call it Prosecco because when we imported the vines from Italy over 21 years ago, they were Prosecco vines and Prosecco grapes classified by the CSIROs and genetics of them. It's a Prosecco grape. Oh. And just because the Italians changed the name 15 years later, yeah, we have... What originated here was a Prosecco that we grew, Italian Prosecco wines here in Australia, and that's the reasoning why we should be allowed to still call it that. The only change that I think we could make as a confession, and I don't know if Italians are happy with it, is just to call it Australian Prosecco on the bottle, so it's not confused with Italian Prosecco. But you can really, you just have to look on the back from where it's from, and that will pretty much tell you.
0: Yeah, and there's um, there's obviously not going to be a DOC rating on the Australian wines, is there? No, because we don't do that.
4: We don't do any of that. But most of the winemakers are trying to stick to. Making the wine exactly the way it 's made in Italy, so because I, not...
0: I love this as a story, so I to cut across you, mel but the the first time I ever became really aware of Prosecco as a quality grape as uh, something that 's good was just to see this really, really fascinating transition of working. Um, of the King and the Ovens Valley that went from uh, growing tobacco for uh, multinational co- tobacco companies, uh, maybe growing a little bit of I don't know, a little bit of the materia verde, if you know what I mean. Catch my drift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but then to get back on the on the path to righteousness, um, transition from uh, the from growing leaves. Uh, to growing bunches of grapes. And uh, they were the ones who started uh, this this whole thing, the Pizzinis, the Delzottos, yeah?
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, Otto Dalzotto, we call him the king of Prosecco. He is actually from Bubble Biabbani in Italy, which is the epicentre of the Prosecco um, hill, and it's a world heritage, which looks site over there. Um, He's actually from there, grew up drinking Prosecco, you know, and he'd been growing tobacco with his family, and he, along with all the other Italian migrants, transitioned, as you said, from tobacco to wine. Mm. And after they were basically contract growers, everything that they made, they sold to Brown Brothers, who then created all those different wines and sent them all over Australia and, and overseas, they gradually started making their own wine, thinking, well, San Sangiovese could probably work here and Pinot you know, Grigio could probably work here. And as people sure. become more interested in wine and more accepting of wines outside of Australia and more interested in trying different varieties, they are like, well, we're going to start making some of these wines that we used to have at home. So Otto's natural choice was, for a second, 21 years ago, because that was his hometown and he was trying to pay homage to his roots and say, OK, well, I think we know Italians love Prosecco. Mm. Why wouldn't Italians? It's fantastic. It suits our lifestyle, our beautiful summer. We should, you know, bring this to the people. And it took off like a rocket to the point where the is Michael was a fantastic winemaker, he was making some beautiful Chardonnay. And much to my annoyance, as I am the Prosecco Queen, you would think this would be okay with me, but he pulled out all his beautiful Chardonnay vines to put in more Prosecco because they just couldn't keep up with the demand. Wow. Um, so there's, you know, pretty much everyone in the King Valley is making, uh, is growing Prosecco grapes. Um, it's it's northeast Victoria
3: mm. and
4: Prosecco comes to northeast Italy. similar elevation, gets really cold during the, during winter and then really hot in summer, which is just like... Um, in the Veneto region, they have snow um, on the ground in winter, and then you know, beautiful warm summers, just like we do. So it kind of just works. It's a good, it's a good spot for it. It needs, it's a cool climate wine. It needs to get really, really cold to be able to get that beautiful crisp acidity into those grapes. Um, anywhere that's too warm in Australia will actually kind of mangle what well, the wine is supposed to taste like. Well, it just. You need the, the the cold weather to retain that crisp, bright acidity, yeah. that crunchy freshness. And if yeah. you have it too warm, you actually lose that, and it, comes, it becomes a bit flabby, and it's not. It just doesn't have the characteristics the crisp lemon sherbet, the citrus. Yes. It just doesn't. It just doesn't taste out to me.
0: It gets a bit blousy.
4: Yeah, it does.
0: Bit, yeah, A bit blousy. Um, I love prosecco. I think it's uh, it's just a, a great drop, and uh, um, it's interesting that you say now that uh, prosecco has uh, exceeded the um, the amount of sales for uh, sparkling wines from uh, France. That's amazing, but in a way, totally I, can, I can see why. Yeah, well, it is. It is obviously it's more affordable. It's not made the same way as
4: champagne. It's made. L- it's a much more cost-effective process. Yeah, less and you alcohol. You get that stuff. It's yes, lower in alcohol, eleven percent instead of sort of twelve and a half, I think, for champagne. Yes. Um, and interestingly, the apérol um, liqueur is also eleven percent. So when you're having an apérol spritz, it's it's prosecco, it's apérol, and then it's soda water. So it's actually a good a good um,
0: aperitivo, a
4: cocktail. But you mm. don't you're not going. It's not like having three shots of gin. It's,
0: it's quite yeah. a nice. You can you can still walk afterwards. Now, uh, Prosecco rocks. We agree about that, and uh, we agree that lots of Australians have taken up. Tell us a little bit about your Prosecco Festival that's uh, going to be taking place on the uh, Saturday, March twenty-sixth
3: so
4: excited about this. We literally just snuck the 2021 in a month before we went into the chaos, so I will not mention that it starts with C. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: Um, It is the original C word. Um, We managed a little pop-up at the Emerson last year, again, in between lockdown 5000
3: and 5001. Um,
4: This year we're back in full force at the Abbotsford Convent, which is just the most divine location. We've got a great big, beautiful room. We're going to fill it with Italian and Australian Prosecco. There's going to be, um, we've got some beautiful Italian cider this year. We're going to get some local craft beer. Um, and then we've got a gorgeous lawn that we're going to be having um, Van Vino, the Prosecco van. we um, <laughs> will be an April spritz garden. That's my, little van, my little vintage caravan bar. Yes. So um, that's going to be an apple spritz garden. We've got Oh, my God, the food. We're going to have oysters from John the Oyster Bloke, the Lake Womboyne, beautiful Sydney rock oysters. We've got Abruzzo Lab coming along doing the beautiful Um, you know, the grilled meat on the sticks. Yeah. Um, we've got pizza by Ganzo, which is a um, collaboration with Ian Curley, which is a... A local um, pizzeria in the city of Yarrow. Yes. Um, who else have we got? We've got oh, that's a mozzarella. cheese it's doing their beautiful gnocchi.
3: Giorgio will Lori.
4: be there. I know Giorgio and Dario. Yeah. Um man. Our grand Fisto and deli are doing the most amazing menu. Of, they've got kingfish crudo. They've got oh, they're doing beautiful prawn cocktail rolls with um with um seafood sauce. Um,
0: real... So I'm just looking at Carl to going. Both of the, our eyebrows both went. I went, oh, that sounds nice. I know that would be awesome and with a glass is, of prosecco. Everyone
4: that I know and everyone we're working with is literally just embracing the prosecco thing Stuff. What can yeah. we make that's going to go with prosecco? Even the Abruzzo labs doing. Um, they're going to be doing prawns on skewers, which they'll actually have brushed with prosecco before they cook them. So oh. everyone's getting into the spirit of it, which I'm loving.
0: That's a um, so great, it's Jay. be... Fun. Okay. Uh, these, oh, like, oh I'm doing
4: master classes
0: too. And you are doing that. Now, these uh, Prosecco mm-hmm. grapes, they don't, grow on, um, they don't grow on trees, you know. They have to grow on vines. And uh, it will cost a little bit of money to get in. How much um, is are the tickets for this?
4: $65 is gets you a tasting glass that you get to take home, beautiful plum glass, yeah. and that's tasting of absolutely everything, all the wine, the beer, the cider. You get to try, try all the wines, and then you can buy them by the glass if you want. They're all the same price, $10 a glass. You can buy an apple spritz. You can buy bottles to take home. Um, and then, of course, we've put on this beautiful um, food lawn for everybody to enjoy. There'll be some crazy tunes to listen to. It's a great day out. And then, if people want to do the masterclass,
0: sounds that's good. That's a
4: forty-five-minute speed date with me for one hundred and twenty dollars, and you get to try about five different proseccos before you go in. Brilliant. the difference between DOC, DOCG.
0: What? We've only got about uh, 20 seconds. uh, So they just type in Prosecco Festival 2022. Can't wait to see you there. Congratulations. And here's to that great grape. Thank you, Mel. She is your legend. Bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via
3: the Triple R website.